Hi everybody and welcome to our brand new six-part insight series hosted by BSI in partnership with McAfee. I'm Connor Hogan, the Global Privacy Practice Lead for BSI Consulting, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Nigel Hawthorne, Cloud and Privacy Spokesperson for McAfee. Nigel has over 30 years experience of security, risk and cloud, and Nigel has spoken at conferences worldwide and writes papers and articles. He also wrote a book called GDPR, An Action Guide for IT. Nigel, do you have any plans for any more books? No, absolutely not, Connor. But uh, thanks very much for um, allowing me to speak to you today. And um, the book that I wrote was only 64 pages. Even that, uh, it was so easy to repeat yourself. And the constant editing sent me crazy, never knowing whether have I read this particular section before. So I think it'd be a lot easier to have this discussion with people and we can get things over quickly and get across our messages that way. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, all of these episodes, but I guess at the beginning we need to set the scene, you know, why should the audience be listening and who should be hearing what we're saying? Absolutely, Nigel. Well, look, at um, privacy is literally everywhere. Um, we saw the GDPR come into force in Europe in May of 2018. Seems like an absolute age at this point ago. The California Consumer Protection Act is in force in California since the start of 2020. Um, and even Brazil's LGPD, their version of the GDPR, came into force over the summer of 2020 as well. More and more regulations are coming into force or indeed being updated all over the world. And the seemingly relentless pace of development in technologies, you know, if you look at consumer products, gadgets specifically, of course, um, or even public and government services and the growth of technology and corporate dot com giants. We've seen an exponential growth in the creation of data, including and probably more specifically in personal data. Now, obviously, this data needs to be stored somewhere so that organizations, governments can process it and derive value from it, do with it what they want. And a huge shift to cloud, whether that's cloud systems, applications, infrastructure, cloud environments has taken place alongside this data explosion. Now, fundamentally, I believe and agree that privacy is a, is a fundamental human right. And the data that we're talking about in this data explosion, wherever it's actually stored, will need to be protected in line with the fundamental rights that citizens have under codes like the UN Charter of Human Rights or the EU Char uh, Charter of Fundamental Rights. But the increasing connectedness of technology that is literally everywhere in our daily lives threatens those fundamental rights and the various data protection rights that might stem from that as well. So this six-part insight series looks to discuss the differing aspects of privacy compliance and, and perhaps look at them uh, through the lens of cloud. So we'll discuss some of the cloud-based challenges that organizations might face in maybe developing, maintaining a privacy program. And hopefully we'll hear some different perspectives on a number of various different topics, such as maybe the hidden costs of privacy. We look at data loss prevention. And I think data transfers and the ongoing developments, such as uh, the, the Schrems II decision from the Court of Justice of the EU, the imminent uh, Brexit uh, that will uh, soon come to pass and, and uh, the implications that might stem from that. And of course, the, the future of remote working, maybe in this post pandemic world that we're all trying to achieve. And maybe picking up on that last topic first, of course, with COVID-19, there are so many of us that are now working from home and working remotely. And this means that we're using cloud services and all sorts of cloud applications, even if we don't realize it. Uh, would you agree, Nigel? 
Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, we published a report called the Cloud Adoption and Risk Report Work from Home Edition earlier this year. And what we showed there was a growth in collaboration technologies, especially things like uh, WebEx and Zoom and Teams and Slack, all growing between 200 and 600 percent from January to April. So a massive increase in that particular area. But of course, cloud is much more than that. If I uh, look at the number of cloud applications I use in my daily life, in fact, there are around 35. So um, expenses is in the cloud. HR is in the cloud. Of course, 365 Teams, GoToMeeting, Zoom, um, Box. Uh, for our legal department, I have to use a service called Hoot that logs everything that is communicated between myself and legal. For purchasing, we use Ariba, again, all hosted in the cloud. And I think that what's happened is that IT departments and governance risk and compliance have been caught on the hop because these things are growing so fast and being implemented by individual departments that the rest of the organization hasn't necessarily had the time to catch up with all of the privacy and security issues that they may bring. And I'll just use one example um, to highlight this. There's a service called Trello, and Trello is a service that allows you to um, define, if you like, it's almost like post-it notes on your fridge, actions that you need to take. And you can share that with other people in your group. You can move things around. You can allocate people to each of the tasks. And my boss introduced it to my team and said, this is the way we're going to all manage our time so that at any point people can see what people are working on. And it would be very difficult for IT to come along and say, well, no, we don't want you to use that unless they provide some sort of alternative. So IT, but also governance, risk and compliance people have got to come together and look at each of the applications people are using and try to make sure that we don't have a huge cost in privacy, data protection and security. And this, I think, is where this series goes. And uh, maybe you want to add a bit more about all the areas we should be considering in the privacy and legal space. Yeah, it's really interesting, Nigel. The growth in collaboration tools is something that really stands out to me. And it's something that we see uh, an awful lot of, I think, over the last number of months, even just organically. Um, the response that organizations have had to um, to take uh, in terms of moving their entire workforce into remote um, working scenarios. And, and yes, I mean, everybody can relate to things like Office 365 and you know Microsoft Teams and Zoom and all these types of collaboration technologies. But even in the background, like you say, HR, um, you know, purchasing, um, you know, the, the, the legal implications relating to different internal processes, either suddenly being outsourced to cloud providers or incrementally over time, just moving towards cloud environments. And you're right, there are privacy, absolutely, and security costs and, and considerations that organizations need to be alert to. And so in this organic move to the reliance on outsourced third-party providers providing cloud platforms, there are a number of considerations which um, we're helping organizations understand and then navigate through 
uh, the potential implications. So if I look at it straight away, first thing that comes to mind as a consultant is risk and the concept of risk. Where any new processing activity that you're going to undertake, um, such as cloud-based processing, or outsourcing to third-party processors in a manner that you haven't done before, you need to consider the fundamental rights that individuals have, whether that's your customers or indeed your employees. So if you're doing something differently, then you need to screen for the data protection impact assessment and determine, are we going to be introducing risks to our, to our staff on the basis of the new data collections that we might have to do? Maybe we're using the data that we already have on individuals in a different way. And fundamentally, there's a concept in, in, in DevSecOps about shifting security left and thinking about security considerations as early as you possibly can in a project. Now, in the reactive move that you know governments effectively forced on organizations with lockdowns and moving to remote working, it mightn't have been possible in reality to be able to shift left immediately and start thinking about what controls we need to put in place to minimize risks relating to privacy and security. However, there is a real risk that organizations need to be alert to. And so baking privacy and baking security considerations into the decision processes that allow organizations to outsource and to move to cloud in, in as quick a manner, but also in as safe a manner as possible is the right thing to do. And the biggest aspect of this, in my opinion, Nigel, is what many organizations would term due diligence or third-party risk management and oversight. In other words, how do we assess the third parties, the third party cloud providers that we're going to be moving platforms to and putting in place for our, our employees and our customers to leverage access and to continue to engage with us in this, you know, this new world in which we find ourselves. And so third party risk management allows us and to be able to undertake discrete due diligence exercises to allow us to, to, to gain certainty and assurance that the third parties can First of all, uphold any contractual obligations that we want them to agree to, but uphold their requirements with regards to security controls, privacy compliance, and um, to manage the risks associated uh, with that outsourcing activity. And what I find very interesting about the current um, environment that we find ourselves in is the concept of transfers of data. And I know we'll be talking about international data transfers in one of the later episodes in this six-part insight series. But the questions that we need to be able to ask our third parties and indeed of ourselves within privacy and compliance and IT right now is where is the data going? Where is it being transferred to? And fundamentally, what data are we capturing and why? Because all of those questions, the answers have significant compliance obligations and significant concerns uh, that we need to make sure that we're managing. And so the whole cloud uh, shift brings with it complications. And we need to make sure that we're navigating those complications in as best a way as we possibly can. And it's not just privacy. And I think, Nigel, there are some security considerations that we, we want to uh, make sure that organizations understand as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll get on to those. But actually, let, let's dig a little bit deeper. It's 2020. We have COVID. Um, there's sensitive medical data being collected by uh, governments, for instance, using um, various apps. Is there 
something special we should be looking at and realizing in this changed world? That's a really good question, Nigel. Um, do you know what? I try and break things down to as as simple a fact as possible. And when I when I'm looking at the changes that COVID um, in, in in a single term has brought to us. There are a number of innovations, you know, we're looking at manufacturers, we're looking at third party providers, technology platforms, governments all react to this huge stress that it has placed on technology infrastructure, on traditional social infrastructure, on governments and public services. And we've, we've seen a huge reliance on technology to be able to support maybe traditional things that might have been more associated with manual processes um you know security privacy of course but things like contact tracing and um, oversight and uh, mapping of the spread of infection etc and what i find really interesting is whether you talk about sensitive data or just standard personal data nigel we really have to come down to um, a couple of key things. What's the data? Why are we gathering it? Have we got a lawful basis to be able to do that? Is it? Are we being fair and transparent in how we're doing that processing? Um, and one of the maybe lesser known facts about the GDPR is that actually the GDPR foresaw the requirement uh, or the requirements for contact tracing and data gathering in response to a pandemic or an epidemic. And, and put in place provisions to allow processing of data in the public interest or when there's a need to do so. But that needs to be balanced. And, and the fundamental element of getting data protection compliance or more broadly privacy compliance right, regardless of what the processing activity is, in this instance, contact tracing and the rollout of contact tracing apps, for instance, um, in different jurisdictions, is that it's balanced, i.e. we're protecting the fundamental rights of the individuals whose data we need to collect with the societal benefit from uh, implementing robust um, assured contact tracing schemes to allow us as so societies to make better informed public health decisions. The balancing is critically important. And what we saw in Ireland, for instance, was the public health service being very open and transparent with regards to how the contact tracing app was built, what limitations they were putting on data collection, and the various controls and protection measures that were being implemented in order to assuage the privacy concerns, not least because the understanding was very much inherent in the project that actually there needs to be significant public buy-in where a government agency is rolling out a a contact tracing app to be able to trace people's contacts for the purposes of public health management. Another aspect perhaps of maybe the, the COVID response or the, the response that we've seen various governments um, consider is maybe baking in additional controls and additional control measures into things that were already being done. So leveraging existing projects and existing capabilities to do new things to support uh, the COVID response. And you know when we break that down, if you're introducing new features into existing projects or you're evolving how you're doing things, well, then you, you really do need to understand what the privacy implications of that will be and what obligations you need to actually meet. So when organizations are looking to 
um, develop and build upon the existing infrastructure that they already have, cloud or otherwise, adding new features, then they need to be able to bring mix of people and that involves the technical IT development team, the security architects, uh, but also the policy and compliance people to be able to work together. Nigel, do you have any examples of the sorts of issues that, that people need to think about, especially in this cloud-based environment that we all seem to be transitioning to or embedded within? Yes, Connor, for sure. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. But before then, I just want to echo one of the things that you've said, which is that all of us tend to work in our own little silo. We understand our piece of the puzzle. But what we really need to do to address these issues is get different departments to work together. And running workshops is a great way of trying to ensure that you've looked at all the possible uh, problems and all the possible solutions. And let me, as I say, give you a couple of examples. Um, firstly, let's look at Teams. It's a great application that Microsoft has been pushing very hard in the last few months for collaboration. Um, but one of the things that you can do with it is share a screen. And maybe some of the people using Teams don't realize that if they share their whole screen rather than a, an application, that messages from email or other applications might appear on that screen and then be shared with someone else. And is that OK? Or do we need to educate our users and say, well, better than sharing the full screen would be to share just an application? The other thing about Teams is it can work with third party applications. And have you checked that all of those are appropriate for your privacy and security needs? Um, and you said actually that the cloud applications have constant updates. And I, I think this is one of the problems that enterprises need to recognize that you need to have constant evaluation of the application. That if you checked and said an application was fine a year ago, has it added extra features since then that potentially will bring in security problems? And maybe, maybe just one example that might be um, appear to be outside the scope at first is integration with identity and access management. So I said earlier that I probably run about 35 different cloud applications. What we need to realize is that I might one day leave the organization. And if I do, IT needs the ability to remove all of those applications immediately so that I'm not able to get back in and look at sensitive information from my previous employer. And so you actually need to know which cloud services are being used. Perhaps your, your marketing department has uh, a webinar system that's not integrated with the central IT function, but it should be. Otherwise, somebody could leave the marketing department and maybe three months later, their credentials still work and they could log back in and download some of the contacts from your company. So there's there's lots of questions, lots of depth we need to go into about each application. And in fact, we're going to do this um, and go into more details in further episodes, aren't we, Connor? 
Absolutely, Nigel. And, and one thing that struck me there was uh, just in reference to the um, the web conferencing tools that allow screen sharing. One of the one of the really interesting developments, from my perspective as a privacy consultant, is the concept of screen blurring and being able to put on virtual backgrounds. A seemingly novel thing when it first happened, but actually, when you when you break it down and you look at why organisations need to be able to do that, not least because of the fact that people are actually in their own homes, but people are in their own homes today and their family is, is is about they're in home offices which are temporary home offices in a lot of occasions um, you know in the sitting room some people in their own bedrooms or in the spare bedroom and just being able to help those individuals feel a little bit more comfortable by being able to blur the background or put on a virtual background we're not as a corporate organization or as a an employer peering into their personal lives unnecessarily as well. So little control measures which seemingly you know, improve user experience and collaboration, absolutely, but have a real-world impact on mitigating the risks that might pertain to these new collaboration tools, uh, these new cloud software um, uh, applications that we have suddenly become very, very accustomed to. Other examples actually which come to mind as well are simple things like um, you know, traditional employee health and safety monitoring and oversight, which you know, it can be quite structured, very formal, very mature processes internally in a corporate organization. Um, but now that we've got people working from home, there's health concerns. Have they got the right setup at their desk? Is there, uh, does their seat um, uh, um, make sure that their back is, is uh, you know, that they're sitting in the right posture at their desk, um, etc. And all of those kinds of things, which now actually in invoke an awful lot more data gathering about their personal home environment as well. But as you said, Nigel, we'll be getting on to much more details in the further episodes when we talk maybe about potential notes from the field in episode two, and we look at the wider concept of data transfers, indeed data loss prevention, and remote working, and the, and the blurring of the lines between what is in the office and maybe what is the extended office now, the remote office that an awful lot of workers find themselves within. Nigel, my sincere thanks to you for joining me today in what was the first episode of this six-episode Insight series, and for what I found to be a really illuminating discussion. Nigel, we look forward to welcoming you back on further episodes in the near future, and I hope that those of you listening enjoyed uh, this first episode as much as I did. We looked at privacy, compliance issues, relating to the cloud, and indeed my thanks to you all for joining us. In our next episode, we'll be looking at the hidden costs of privacy in the cloud with some specific use cases and what happens when companies maybe strategically choose not to be compliant. Finally, please make sure to subscribe for the upcoming episode and to receive notifications for the entire six-part insight series.